This is The Podcast Method, a show in which I will attempt to answer your questions about podcasting, recording, audio and video equipment, software, mic technique, post-production, workflows, and so much more. And who am I? I am your friend, Dan Benjamin. This is episode number 26 of The Podcast Method. I love doing this show for you guys. I appreciate the questions. Here's how to ask them. I can't do the show if you don't ask questions. I can't. I'm uh, available on Twitter. I'm at Dan Benjamin. Tweet me there. Ask your question, but please make sure to use the hashtag podcast method, one word. That's what I do before the show. As part of my show prep to do this one, I will go onto Twitter. I will pull up that hashtag and I will read all of the questions. So if you tag it that way, I will absolutely see it and I'll do my best to answer it on the show. Another way, go to 5by5.tv slash contact. You'll see podcast method on the list. You can click it. And you can email me your question. That will set up the correct subject line so that before the show, when I look at the subject lines of my emails, I make sure to find the ones labeled podcast method. But it seems like most of you ask me on Twitter, and I'm absolutely happy to receive the questions that way. Another thing that I would like to do is thank everybody who supports this show and the other shows that we do at 5x5. It means so much. And you know what? The podcast landscape has really changed. When I started 5 by 5 back in, really it was 2008 when I was starting everything in 2000, I think very early 2009 when I was publishing shows uh, through 5 by 5 it was a very different landscape. There were not a lot of players in the podcast game at that time. Uh, we were one of the only ones and we were one of very, very few podcast networks that existed at the time. And uh, the reason that I've explained this before, but I think it's worth repeating, the reason I started a podcast network back then uh, was out of laziness because setting up a separate website for every single podcast that I wanted to do, and there were a handful that I wanted to do, I was doing it, and still am doing it full-time, podcasting full-time. I had to set up a separate website with a back-end publishing tool or CMS behind the scenes. And so for me, doing that every time I wanted to work on a show or do a show or help someone with a show, that was a lot of work. It was much easier for me to just roll up my sleeves and do what I'd done for you know, the 10, 15 years of my career before that and build a publishing tool and design a website that would let me do all of that there. And of course, I looked around at other solutions. I looked around at everything from WordPress to Drupal to Squarespace at the time. And I couldn't find anything that expression engine. I couldn't find anything that would work the way I wanted it to work. Now, of course, there are a lot of other platforms that you could use to host podcasts or host a network of podcasts or a bunch of individual shows. But back then there sure weren't. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to roll up my sleeves and build this thing and it'll save me a lot of time. And of course it, it did. Today, would I start a network? Probably not. I would just post the individual shows and I'll tell you why. Each show has a life of its own and each show can exist independently. And people would say, well, wait a minute. Isn't there the halo effect of people who like one show then associate that show with, uh, with the people behind it and they want to get more. That, that was very much the case a number of years ago. And I think for sure there, there still is an association there. If you like a show, if you like a podcast and it's coming from a certain company, 
I think you're fairly likely to say, oh, well, they did this one. I'll probably like this one. But let me ask you another question. Have you ever, do you subscribe to Netflix? Well, I do. And there are a lot of really great shows that are on Netflix. You know, custom content made for and by Netflix. And I think they're kind of winning. But you know what? They've come out with some shows that really were terrible too. Just because Netflix makes it isn't a guarantee to me that I'm going to like the show or that the show is going to be good. Same thing could be said of of HBO or Showtime. HBO has a lot of really great shows. They also have a bunch of shows that I just don't like. But they have some amazing shows that are great. Now, if HBO comes out with a show and say, oh, HBO is doing it, okay, I'll go check it out. And I think that still works with, uh, with podcast networks today. This is from someone who made other things I like. Maybe I will like this new thing. Or a certain level of quality will be assured. So I think there is value there. I'm not, uh, I, hope, I hope I'm not coming uh, across to say that podcast networks are bad. I don't think that they're bad. I think they, they're good. I just think that they are, they are less valuable and less important in, uh, in the present day than they were you know, in 2008, 2009, even through maybe 2013 or 14. I think now, though, the, the biggest shows are put out not so much by a network as they are by what I think of as a production company. And the reality is that's what I've always thought of 5 by 5 as being, is, as a production company. In fact, the company name is 5 by 5 Productions, LLC. That's our company. We are a production company. We happen to have a network of shows right now. Will we always have a network of shows? I don't know. But we'll always produce really great content. That's what 5 by 5 is about, producing great content. And we can do that by, yes, we, can, we have a place to go where you can hear all of our podcasts together for sure. But I don't think that that's that important. I think if I came out with a show and you guys really liked it and I came out with another show and you heard about it, that you would have that association with me as your listeners will have with you. If, if you make a good show, your listeners will associate that show with you. And if you are then on another show or making another show, I think there's value there. What a network does is simply make it easy for people to find all of those things. It's the same thing as if you have like a vanity domain for, for your, that's your, you know, yourname.com. Someone can, you can list that in your bio. Someone can go there or an about me page. They can go there and find out about you and the things that you do. Well, I like this thing the person does. Maybe I'll like this other thing the person does. And I think today that's the biggest value of a network is that it, it makes it convenient for people to go and find things that seem to share that kind of quality or emphasis. Anyway, the reason I mention it is a lot of people have been asking me recently, are networks still a thing? I think they are. But I feel like the evolution of a network should be something that happens uh, naturally. Instead of saying, I am going to start a network, we are going to have five shows. I would actually say, you know what? Start your first show. Let your first show become very successful. Let that justify doing other shows and let those other shows then come together in the form of a network. Don't put the cart before the horse is what, is what I'm suggesting. But I definitely think there's a value. And a lot of people, Fireside users, have asked me, can you add network support to Fireside, uh, the podcast publishing platform that, that I uh, – the, the other 100% of my time. <laughs> uh, 
And yes, we will be adding that because eventually I can see moving 5x5 over to the Fireside platform. It's much better. It's much better than what I've built at 5x5. And anytime I go to publish a show on 5x5, I'm like, oh, I wish it had this feature Fireside has. So yeah, my goal is to have Fireside 5x5 running as a Fireside network. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm building it for myself. I'm building it for the other folks who want it. And because I still think there's value to networks. And the other reason that I bring up 5x5 and, uh, and the changing landscape of podcasts is I want to thank everyone who supports 5x5. Again, when I started doing this in 2008, 2009, it was all sponsors. And because there were so few games in town, you just pretty much had to show up and do a podcast and someone would pay you to be on it because there were so few high quality podcasts out there. If you had great content and great audio quality, you would get sponsors. You would have an audience. It was pretty much guaranteed. If what you were doing was quality, you would get support from sponsors through ads. Now, even some of the best podcasts out there are struggling to get ads because there are so many sponsors now, but they have really become focused on return on their investment ROI. And it is, you, you are competing not just with other podcasts in the area of focus that you're talking about, you're competing with all other podcasts because generally speaking, sponsors just want listeners. Listeners are, I hate to say it, your listeners are essentially a commodity and they want to, the sponsor, the advertiser wants to buy listeners and they want to, they want to buy listeners and they want to get them as cheaply as they can. And that kind of sucks, I know, but that's what they want. So what are we doing? We are as, as, as a community of podcasters, we are relying on our listeners to help support. And we have a Patreon. It's, it's patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. Every little bit helps. If you feel that the content that I produce here on 5x5 and anywhere else, if that's valuable to you, uh, I would really appreciate it even if you give, give, give a dollar, a dollar a month. That makes a huge difference. If all of the, and I say this on some of my other shows, if every listener to this show gave $1 a month, we would never need to do ads. Never need to do ads. But it's very hard, and you'll find this if, when, if and when you start asking people to support you. It's very, very challenging to get listeners to actually support. I support a handful of shows on Patreon, but I do because I, I know the challenge that podcasters have. I know how hard it is to do your show. I know how hard it is to support, uh, I'm sorry, to get support from listeners. Uh, it is a big challenge. So, when I hear a show that I like says support us, absolutely. Even if it's a buck, you know what? That's a dollar. That's a dollar a month that they weren't going to get. Uh, so I sure do appreciate the support that I get from uh, my patrons over there. And it is it makes all the difference in the world. It determines whether or not we can pay rent or not. You know, I mean, it, it really does make a difference. So thank you to everyone who does that. And, uh, and I appreciate uh, every single dollar that every single one of you donates. Couldn't do it without you. It's... That's it. I mean, it simply couldn't happen without you. So that's my take on networks. Uh, I actually have a, a, a couple uh, related questions that came in on the Fireside Slack. Um, and one of them is, uh, someone says, uh, what kind of information do you include when you are pitching sponsors? And some of the people who, uh, that was uh, Tim Mitra over there on, on the fireside asking this question. And 
a couple people chimed in with their answers and they were saying, oh, you know, you might you might want to show that there's an upward trend in your listenership. You might want to show, uh, you know, in, in anything that, that shows that the show is growing and attract uh, it. That's actually not what sponsors want. If you want to go the sponsor route, uh, that's that's not what sponsors really want. What they want is a number of unique downloads per episode in its first week. And if you want to give more information in its first 30 days, that's the information that a sponsor wants. And they want a number that they, they will interpret that number, by the way, as a guarantee. They want guaranteed numbers. And what does that mean? Let's say that you have a sponsor and the sponsor says, how many downloads do you guys get per episode? What they're really saying is, over the course of a seven and or 30-day time period, how many unique individual downloads will, you, will that episode receive? And then they're going to attach a CPM to that. CPM stands for cost per thousand. It's abbreviated with an M, cost per M. The M is the Roman numeral M for thousand. And they're going to put that into a CPM calculator. I've got one linked up in the show notes. The show notes are going to be at 5x5.tv slash podcast method slash 26. And if you go there, you'll see I have a link to the CPM calculator there. CPM calculator is going to be what the number is that they use to determine how much they should pay for your show. And it's, it's a pretty simple, it's pretty simple math, but I'll give you an example. Let's say that your show gets 2000 downloads and you're selling it at what is probably an industry average these days, although they always want it to be lower, but let's just say 25 CPM. Now there's people out there who can still get a 40 or 50 CPM and there's other shows that are selling it at 10 or 15 CPM, but I'll just, I'll just say 25. That's $50. That's how much they want to, they will want to spend for your spot. 2,000 downloads, they want to spend $50. It doesn't sound like much, does it? Well, it's not. It used to be much higher. 10,000 downloads, that's 250 bucks. Now, sometimes you can get more than that. Sometimes you can say, you know what? We're really great. Our show is really great, and our audience is super engaged. Well, we deserve to get more. A lot of the time, they will believe you and they'll try it. Other times, they'll say, why don't we try it at a lower CPM first? And if we get a good ROI on it, return on investment, we get good ROI on it, then we'll go ahead and pay you more. And uh, you know what? Let them try it. That's $50 or $250 that you didn't have before. And if your show is as good as you say, and your audience is as engaged as it is, and you're not sold out of sponsor slots, what have you got to lose? Sell your show at a cheaper rate. Prove to them that it's going to be great. And then when it is, they'll be really happy. And if it doesn't perform, then they won't be angry. But here's something to think about. If you look at your shows, and of course you're using, you're using fireside.ifm and you use the podcast method discount code to get uh, 20% off your first three months, uh-huh. and you have really good stats, and you tell them, we use Fireside, so we know our stats are good. And they say, oh, we know that. And so you look at your downloads and your downloads come in and you're getting, you're getting 10,000 downloads per episode. And sometimes it's 9,000, sometimes it's eight, sometimes it's 12. And that's just the nature of podcasts. They, they vary. But you do an average, a quick average, and you tell them, okay, you know what? It looks like, it looks like we're getting about 10,000. If you tell them 10,000, they're going to hold you to that. And very often in their uh, IOs, which stands for insertion order, they're going to 
have some clause in there that says if you don't deliver this guaranteed number of 10,000, which somehow we're supposed to guarantee that we're going to get 10,000 downloads now, if we don't, then they're going to want something called a make good. And that means you are going to have to make good on that number. Now, this is much easier to do in the uh, in, in like the web world. And that's where a lot of these advertisers come from and what they're used to doing. Because you can have like uh, open ads software displaying like a banner on your website. And they're going to say, we, we want 10,000 impressions there. And if that 10,000 impressions happens over the course of a week or a month, it doesn't really matter. They've bought that many and you're going to deliver that many. Well, they want this to work the same way with a podcast. They want to get 10,000 impressions. If you come in at 7,500, they're going to look at that and they're going to say, well, you know what? We need a make good. What's a make good? A freebie, basically. They want their ad to run again on the next episode to, to make up for what they didn't get the first time. Wait a minute. That's not fair because the next episode is going to get 7,000, 8,000, 10,000 downloads. Well, guess what? They're getting them for free. They're getting that extra for free. Or... They may just not pay. And usually there's a threshold. They'll say, we need to get 70% or 80% of the promised uh, downloads. And if, if it doesn't hit that mark, we don't pay. Or you do a make good. Again, another reason why something like Patreon, having listener-supported shows, is so appealing to podcasters. Because they don't have to worry about that. If one show does great or another show doesn't do as great, they don't have to stress. They don't have to worry. So just keep that in mind. Now, speaking of sponsors, we have one. It's Squarespace. Squarespace makes it incredibly easy to host a beautiful and create a beautiful website. That's what they do. And they've done it forever. And they've, they, they do it better than anybody else. I can tell you. Because I use Squarespace for a number of my sites. And I always recommend Squarespace. Anytime anybody that I know says, oh, we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be doing a website. Here's an example. My friend Seth Roberts uh, and I just started a new show recently. It's uh, we we're we're watch geeks. We love talking about watches, and he is actually a watch smith. He uh, repairs and services vintage watches and new ones too, but vintage watches is his specialty. Uh, and uh, so we geek out about watches on there, and it's a great time. And he was telling me what he does for a living, of course, is, is fixing these watches. Sometimes he'll go out, he'll scour eBay, he'll find some old watch and he'll buy it and he'll service it, fix it up, replace all the parts that need to be replaced, and then he'll sell it. And he's been talking to me for a while about, oh, I've got a new website coming out, I've got a new website coming out, it's going to be great, it's going to be great. And I said, listen, it sounds like you're working hard on this thing. I, I, I hope you're using Squarespace. He's like, oh yeah, we're using, we are using Squarespace. It, he is using one of the great features of Squarespace, which is the e-commerce part. It's all built in. You can, you can sell stuff on Squarespace. It'll calculate shipping. It'll do, do everything for you. Makes it incredibly easy to do it. You can set up your own online store. You can, uh, you can put your music up there if you're a musician. You can do image galleries that are gorgeous. I mean, you name it. You can do it with Squarespace. And anytime you hear somebody talking about how hard it is to make a website, Run over, run over to them and grab them by the shoulders gently so you don't get, uh, you know, sued and shake them and say, squares mace and give them the code podcast method, one word, and they will save 10% on their first purchase. Pretty nice. 
So thank you very much to Squarespace. Squarespace.com, code to use, podcast method, one word. And uh, everybody wins. All right, now let me jump in and ask a few of these great Twitter questions that I have been uh, looking at ahead of time. Chad Hall, who is the real Chad Hall. Just don't get confused. This is the real one. This is not an imitation Chad Hall. This is the real Chad Hall. He says, how do you deal with Skype glitches and robot voice in post? Leave it or sacrifice the flow by doing retakes? Chad, I, I will tell you a secret about me. I am not a fan of the retake. I dislike the retake. I reject the retake. Because to me, it feel, I, I am a, as we used to say in the old days, I'm a live to tape kind of a guy. I hate to redo something. I hate to pause. And another thing, I was talking to Seth about the Unwound podcast. We were recording, and it's not one of the ones that we stream live. And uh, and he had asked me a question, and I had responded. And, and after the show, he's like, oh, I did. Uh, I hope I didn't ask that the wrong way. Or whatever. And I said, listen, you can always just sort of say, hey, whoa, let me re-ask that. If it doesn't sound right, if you want to make a tweak to, to something, we can just send and say, hey, hang on a second. I didn't ask that very well. Let me do it again. I'm not a big fan of doing that because I love the natural flow and progression of a conversation. And the more that you allow something like that in, the more that you, uh, you, you give an opportunity to do that, the more you could rely on it as a crutch. You might have a whole part of a conversation and say, oh, you know, I didn't like the way that went. Let's say that all over again. And I'll tell you what, if you do it a lot, you will start to really rely on it. And, and, uh, and that won't improve your skills as a broadcaster, as a podcaster. It won't improve your skills as a speaker. You want to teach yourself, I've got, this is the attitude to go into it. I've got one chance at this. I've got one take. I've got to get it right. And I consider what, what I'm doing right now as I uh, stand here talking to you in my microphone. I am in my mind visualizing that you are all in a room in front of me and I'm on stage. If I screw something up right now, you'll see it. You'll hear it. No, of course I'm not. I have the benefit to say, oh man, you know, I, I got to edit that out or I got to say that again. And I'm, I'm, go I'm going to do that several times in this episode. Why? Well, you know what? Maybe there is someone slamming a door down the hall and I need to edit that out. So I had to redo a sentence or something. I'm fine with that. But I really don't like to do it unless you have no other choice. Now, what Chad Hall, the real Chad Hall, by the way, the real Chad Hall is asking about is what about when it's out of your hands? It's something wrong with Skype. There's something glitching. There's a robot voice. What do you do? Do you edit that out? Do you leave it? Do you do a retake? It really stinks when that happens. And it, it can happen a lot. In that case, yes, you redo it. Go back to where you were. Say, as, but here's the thing. As soon as you hear it, stop. As soon as you hear that robot voice or that Skype glitch, stop and say, stop, hold on, hang on. I'm going to disconnect Skype. I'm going to call you back. Because the, the less, per, less that person has to repeat, the less out of tempo that you get, the better. Stop it right there. Start it right over. Don't wait and let them go because they're on a roll. Stop them. It's more interfering and more not rude but more of an interference and, and a rudeness to let them go and make them repeat the whole thing all over again now there is a way you can get around that and that is you can use a double ender the double ender is incredibly useful incredibly handy because then they're recording their end of the audio 
And if something like that happens, you can revert to using their audio as the source instead. I don't like doing that either, but if your connection's bad and you're seeing lots and lots of Skype drops, that's something you can do. Now, the last thing that, uh, that I will mention uh, about the, uh, the double ender is you've got to worry about audio drift because every computer is a little bit different and the way they record is a little bit different. So still record their end as well as your end. And if you wind up needing to use their end, you can use the waveform that you recorded to help keep their audio aligned and keep it from drifting. So uh, the real chat hall, I hope that answers your question. Uh, but try not to do the retakes. Brent Billings, who is EIBCB on Twitter, says uh, two identical, listen, listen to this problem Brent has, two identical mics running to the same board, same cables, same gain settings, etc. One has more floor noise. Thoughts? What he's talking about with floor noise, that's, uh, you know, that if, if, you, if you have a, a microphone hooked up to a board, it's that sort of noise that's it's not quite a hum it's not quite a uh, a buzz it's just kind of a a bit of a noise for lack of a better term it's not quite white noise but it's this sort of sound that you hear as you are uh boosting gain past a certain point and that is really frustrating but i'll tell you what even two mics that are made on the same assembly line put together by the same people at the same time on the same day shipped in the box next to each other to you, there is going to be some difference. All of these things that we have in our world are made by hand, right? They're all made by human beings. They're all made by people. And sometimes they're made by machines too. But even so, there are little mistakes that happen. But where is that mistake? Where is that problem? Is it in your board? Is it in your cable? Is it in the mic? Is it in the pot that you're using to control the gain? So do some tests, and here's how you do it. Switch mics. Leave the same cables and the same jacks. Put mic A, plug mic A where you had mic B plugged in, or reverse that. Do you still hear it? Try a different cable. Try swapping the cables into the same ports. Figure out what's causing that problem. It might very well just be the cable. Cables, although we look at these XLR cables and we say, man, these things are rock solid. They, they, can, they can flake out. They can break. You can have problems with cables. And because I don't know what kind of board or mic or cable you're using, it's tough for me to say what could be the point. But by swapping things out, you can find it. If microphone A with cable A in port A works and you put microphone B on that cable into that port and it works right, well, there's part of the answer. So then try swapping cables out and figure out where that problem is. I'm assuming maybe this stuff is new. Maybe you can still return it and swap it out. But that's it. Process of elimination. Process of elimination is the way that you will determine where the problem lies. Brandon Brown, who is Brandon B927, says, How do you get back into podcasting after a year of no activity on the show? Inspiration tough, not motivated. Well, I asked Brandon some more questions. I had some follow-up questions for, for Brandon. And I said, well, I have a question for you. It doesn't sound like you really want to get back into it, do you? To which he says, I battle with answering this question almost every day when I stare at my list of proposed topics trying to come up with ideas. He says, I would like to keep the show going. 
and I've paid for hosting since I stopped publishing, starting to build up now. So, you know, this is a, this is a, a really good question. You know, he, he, he seems like he wants to keep doing it, but he's not sure. And I hear this a lot of the time. I mean, it's tough, especially when you feel like you're broadcasting into a vacuum. If you're not in touch with your listeners or if you don't have that many listeners, it seems to be something that a lot of podcasters face. I definitely face it sometimes, especially when, you know, and like I'll give you an example again, referring back to the Unwound podcast. How many like watch geeks and people into vintage watches or, or new watches who like want to talk about, you know, movements and, um, and dials and thing, you know, how to tell if uh, the Seiko is fake or not, you know, like there's not that many people who are into that. I mean, there are a lot of people who are into it, but there aren't that many people who are into it at the same time compared to how many people are going to watch <laughs> reality TV or something there. It, it's a much smaller audience. It's a much more specific audience. And I know that the audience for that show is automatically going to be much, much smaller than an audience about, I don't know, video games. Because video games are a huge industry and they appeal to all ages and all genders and everything from, you know, Nintendo all the way to com computer and PC games. You name it, that's a show like we have on 5x5, the DLC. They have a huge audience. Huge audience. Is the watch show Unwound going to ever be that popular? Of course it will not. But that doesn't mean that it's not a good show. And that doesn't mean that it's not fun to do. And it doesn't mean that the audience, however large or small, isn't passionate about it and eagerly looking forward to that next episode. So even if you only have an audience of a few hundred or a couple thousand, uh, it's very valuable to, to uh, communicate with, interact with, and provide content for that audience. It just, it can be tougher when you're looking at the numbers and you're like, man, why don't we have 10,000 downloads? Why don't we have 100,000 downloads? Now, you, it seems like you've let that show go, though, Brandon Brown. And it's been a year of no more activity on the show. It might be time to let it go, but here's something to think about. Over time, as you stop publishing shows, certain, fee certain podcast clients will stop checking to see if that RSS feed is up to date. That's not as bad as RSS feeder, uh, feed readers doing that, but you may have lost some of that audience. But here's the thing. It is very, very, very hard to build an audience, especially now with all the competition, because listen, Every single podcast out there is competing with every single other podcast, not just in specific niche audiences. And that's because listeners only have so much time. They only have so much time in a day. They have to make a choice. Am I going to listen to Dan talk about podcasts? Am I going to listen to Gary Vaynerchuk talk about business? Am I going to listen to somebody else talk about the new Star Wars movie or the new video game or the new reality show or the new book that they read or the new serial killer? You only have so much time in a day. So you are absolutely competing with everybody else in that medium. If there is somebody who has a 30-minute drive to work and a 30-minute drive home and they do that five days a week, who are they going to listen to? Will it be you or will it be any of the other billion podcasts that are out there? And you won't. your show won't appeal to everybody, of course. But if you already have an audience, you already have 100 listeners or 1,000 listeners, Building back that thousand listeners, getting them to listen to a new show, 
That is very hard. And every time I hear somebody say, well, I don't know, you know, we got only have 500 listeners. I don't know if it's worth doing. You may never get 500 listeners again, ever. And like, that's it. That's all, that's all you may ever get. And you're going to throw them away? Well, if you don't want to be a podcaster and you don't want to do it, then that's fine. But don't think that starting a new show is going to guarantee you that 500 listeners. Your new show may only get 250. So appreciate, in other words, appreciate the audience that you have because you've earned them. You've earned them. You've provided them with quality content. And I'm willing to bet that they like the stuff that you do and that they like you and that they're eager and waiting for something new from you. They like you and they want to hear what you have to say and they're waiting. And if that's not inspiration, I don't know what is. Bob Midekey, Bob Midekey, who's Biz Talk Texas superfan, Bob the superfan asks, the interviews I'm recording vary in length. How do I fill the time for the shorter ones looking at a 20-minute length? Well, interviews are tough, right? Uh you know, if it, 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 it all comes down, though, to, and listen, don't take this the wrong way, Bob. It all comes down to you as an interviewer. If you're a good interviewer, you can pull stories out of, uh, out of pretty much anybody. But it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of skill. So the, the answer is, Bob, keep doing it. And realize that until you are really, really good at interviewing, you will wind up with some shows that are a little too long or a little too short. And that's absolutely okay. Going for a 20-minute length, I think, is perfect. What you're doing is just right. When I did the pipeline, uh, which I still do very rarely, but it was an interview show I did for uh, for a while, I found that uh, if you listen to the earlier episodes compared to the later ones, I am much, much, much better at interviewing people by the time that uh, that I was sort of winding the show down after I'd done dozens of interviews. And that came from doing the interviews. I could get, I mean, I'm, I'm, unless, unless the person really didn't want to talk, and then why am I interviewing them? I could get 20 minutes out of anybody about anything. And it's just, it's easy. You know why it's easy? Get interested in the things that they are doing and the things that they're talking about. And put yourself in their situation. You can't fill time. You just can't fill time if the person is unwilling. I'm sure if they agreed to the interview, they want to talk. But I don't think it's on, it's, it's not on you to try and fill time. The person that's listening to the interview wants to hear about the person you're interviewing. But get them to open up. Get them to want to share their stories. And the way that you do that is by communicating your enthusiasm to them. When my kid comes home from school, I get home from work. And my son is going to tell me about what he did at school and the video game that he played and what boss he beat. And my little girl is going to come and tell me about something that she drew or a song that they learned. You know what? I love them. So of course I want to hear about those little things. Do I really care if he beat the 10th boss in his game? No, but it made him happy. You know, do, do I really care that she changed her outfit three times and now is wearing a little pink dress instead of the other pink dress. Well, yeah, I mean, I care, but I care more that she's happy. And I love hearing about it from them. I love hearing the stories because I feel joy when I experience their happiness. 
If you can do that same kind of thing in an interview with somebody, they're telling you a story, be part of that experience with them. They will respond directly to that. They will respond directly to your response, if you will. And that leads to to more and more conversation. And that enthusiasm will come from them and then it becomes uh you know, it, it, it fills, it fills the space for you because that wonderful content, that wonderful dynamic you'll be establishing, being able to just talk to somebody and get them to open up and get them to, uh, to, to share and to want to share is a special talent. It's a special skill and it's hard work. It's very hard and it's something you have to practice. So Bob and the rest of you keep doing it, keep talking and keep getting better at it. All right, we've got time for one more. This one is from Tony L. Tony L. says, on a 1 to 10 scale, 10 being the best, if a pro studio with a mixer is a 10 and a double ender is an 8, what is a good Skype recording? Well, it all depends. It's a great question. I, what, I think, what, I think he's, uh, what I think he's trying to do is he's trying to say, how bad would it be if I just record stuff on Skype. Well, it depends on how you're going to be doing it with Skype. When I record Skype, I have a dedicated computer for each Skype guest. Whether that's one, two, three. And so I will have those computers hooked up into our mixer, which is an Apollo. Uh, they will be getting a mix minus signal out of that mixer which means their own audio is not being sent back to themselves, but everyone else's audio is going to them, if that makes sense. That way they don't hear an echo. That is much, much higher quality and much more reliable than using something like Ecamm Call Recorder, which is still a great product that most, most people do use. But I will get much better quality, especially in a multiple-person situation, than they will get. Also, we do, uh, as I've mentioned, we do uh, inline processing. We've got compressor and a noise gate going at all times to help boost that initial signal coming in. So go and listen to an episode of Roadwork with me and John Roderick or Back to Work or an episode of Unwound if you're into watches. All of those people are in different locations. John Roderick is in Seattle. Merlin Mann is in San Francisco. Seth Roberts is in South Carolina. So they're all in different places. But in many cases, they sound great. And I've, I've actually had people come many, many times and say, I just assumed you were in the same room. Well, that's all over Skype and that's all over our current setup. Occasionally, I will have to fall back to a double ender. But that's, very, that's one out of every 10 episodes, maybe. So... If for you, a double ender is an eight, I, I would put Skype as an eight or a nine, or at the very least, a seven. In many cases, it's just as good as a double ender. And don't forget, you're, you're bouncing this MP3 file out as a, uh, a 60, hopefully you're, you're doing it the right way, and you're, you're bringing it down as a 64, maybe a 96K MP3 file. So you're losing a lot of dynamic range anyway. You know, we're not, we're not 
bringing James Earl Jones in to record some National Geographic special or something. It's like a few people talking about something that they're into that's going to get listened to. And listen, we all like to think that these things that we're making are amazing and they're going to last forever. But really, this is an, an ephemeral experience. It's less ephemeral than radio, that's for sure. But a lot of this stuff that we're recording, I mean, it's here now. And then will, will people listen in a year? Well, yeah. I mean, if your show is great. And again, I'll point to Back to Work. The stuff that Merlin and I have talked about over the years on Back to Work is still very evergreen. It's very relevant. And there are uh, there are tons and tons of people downloading the episodes for the first time, listening to them for the first time still today. Even though that's five years ago, there's still thousands of downloads on those episodes regularly. So yeah, keep that in mind, but you're mixing it down to a 64K or 96K MP3 file mono. So you're going to lose a bunch of that dynamic range, like I said, and it just, you know, Skype is usually fine for that unless it's terrible. But just Tony L, keep in mind, almost everything you hear from 5x5, at least the shows that I do over all those years, go back and listen to all those shows. Uh, that's Skype. You're hearing Skype. I almost never do a double ender unless there's something so catastrophically bad about our Skype recording that it's unusable. That's the only time we ever do a double ender. Of course, having people in a studio with you, like uh, on Quit and The Frequency and uh, one of our new shows that we're doing, where it's like Hattie Cook and I, uh, we're, we're in the same studio. So go listen to Quit and you can hear what it sounds like to have two people right in the studio. Still compressed down to 96K or 64K rather. It's, uh, it's not that different. Not that different from a Skype at the end of the day. I appreciate the questions. Keep them coming. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. Make sure to use the hashtag podcast method when you ask me a question. There you go to 5by5.tv slash contact. Pick podcast method from the list. That'll put the right subject line so that I will get the email. And go check out Fireside.fm. It is the podcast hosting and analytics platform that I have built painstakingly for podcasters over the last couple of years. I just added blogging functionality. So now every podcast can also have a built-in blog if you want it built into the cost too. Nothing extra there. Go check it out and use the uh, use the code promo code podcast method to get 20% off your first three months of service, whatever you decide to get over there. I appreciate you all listening. And those of you who want to support the show, please do. It makes a big difference. It's at patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. Every dollar counts. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your great questions. And we'll see you all again next week.